Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Drabble Classics, a fan-hosted series that features fan-picked stories from the Drabblecast archives, remastered and brought to you with new exciting commentary from strange listeners such as yourself. Enjoy. Hello, you beautiful creatures. It's Jen. Consider me your weird Drabble babysitter for the moment. I'm not as funny as Norm, but I promise to make you box mac and cheese while you listen, and I'll at least try to act normal while I ask you pointed questions about your basement. Why would I ask you pointed questions about your basement? Look over there, Jimmy. It's a story. Eat your mac and cheese. Today we've got the brilliant Aaliyah Whiteley's Go Beep for you. This story originally aired on the Drabblecast back in 2010, and if you listen all the way through to the end, you get to hear Norm's musical creme brulee recipe. The mind of a Norm is a strange and wonderful place. Without further ado, here's Go Beep by Aaliyah Whiteley. I'm a fan of Nirvana. I mean, I'm a fan of the band, rather than a fan of the concept. Although, hey, what's not to like about the idea of being no longer subject to torture over the fires of greed, hatred, and delusion? Free from all suffering. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. But if I really wanted to be free of everything that makes us human, then I probably wouldn't dig bands like Nirvana anymore. And that would be bad. Then, I wouldn't be me anymore. I have a lot of thoughts like this. Mandy says I talk too much, and she's right. She's right about everything. I mean, she wouldn't be my girlfriend if she didn't have that mystical ability to put her finger on the universe and say, Hey, this is a work in progress, guys. It's left wanting. We're the happiest couple that ever lived, and that is not hyperbole. That is fact. I should say, we were the happiest couple that ever lived. Until the event that was the Beep song. It started on a Sunday morning. It always felt to me like nothing could ever go wrong then. Your parents go out for a walk. There's some old film on TV set in a time before people started shouting at each other as the usual means of communication. And although nobody worships anything anymore, there's that churchy feel to the street if you sit out on the porch. Mandy was meant to be coming over, and I was waiting for her, listening to the sprinklers hiss and getting the occasional hit of the sweet smell of barbecue chicken from number 48. Gary came out of his house opposite and saw me there, and we waved at each other in that kind of cool, like I see you but I'm chilled out about it type of way, and he wandered over and asked if I wanted to jam for a while, and I said yes. Gary and I are in a band. We're called Lexington Air Disaster. We thought we needed more people for a band, so for a long time we would always say we were looking for a bass player, but a bass player never turned up, and then we found out about the White Stripes, so now Gary plays bongos and I play lead guitar and sing. I don't have a good voice, but hey, the world is full of good voices, and I'm offering a different kind of experience, you know? The kind where it's not Whitney or Britney or crap like that. You can experience real pain from my voice. My mom told me that. 
So, anyways, we were working on our new song, Black Smut, when Mandy came by on her bike, with her skirt blowing up in the wind and her hair all gelled back, looking awesome. And she said to us, Have you guys heard it? What? We said. Well, I said, because Gary doesn't really talk to Mandy because he gets too embarrassed and says dumb things, so he says it's better if he plays the strong, silent type. It's on every channel, she said. So we went inside, and the old movie that had been on the TV was gone, and instead there was this enormous pink ball on the screen against a flashing background, except it had a face, a really cute little Japanese-style happy face, the eyes all wide and blue and beautiful, and it was bouncing along to this beat, this music that really got into your head and you couldn't shake it out again. It made you want to bounce along with it. And the lyrics scrolled along on the bottom of the screen, followed by a little pink ball with a happy face that bounced on the word that you were meant to sing in every line. And that word was beep. If you're really cute, if you like soft fruit, if you play the lute, I dragged my eyes off the screen and saw Mandy and Gary both mouthing along, shrugging their shoulders and nodding their heads. I figured it was only a matter of time before they started bouncing, too. The next verse was even more catchy. I felt tiny bubbles rise up inside me, pink, glorious happiness growing and growing, and I wanted to beep, too. More than anything else in the world, I wanted to beep, too. If you own a dog If you've eaten frog If you've worn a clog And that's when it hit me. The beep song wasn't a good thing. It wasn't right to be feeling this way just because some cutesy cartoon character told me to. I wondered where the song could have come from. I thought of all the huge corporations out there, boardrooms filled with people all working away on producing something like this so they could use it all to sell shampoo and make us all vote Republican. If you're 35, if you've grown a child, if you feel alive, and I knew then that it was the most evil song I had ever heard. And I've listened to Led Zeppelin albums backwards. I mean, I'm no stranger to musical evil, but this beats everything else hands down. It came direct from Satan, this feeling of bouncy, beepy happiness. It was not the way the world was meant to be. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, but I turned off the television. Hey! said Gary and Mandy at the same time. Mandy even tried to get the remote off me, but I pushed her back and told them that we were witnessing the beginning of mind control by the governments or the corporations or by aliens. I didn't know, but we had to fight back. We had to stay away from the television and the web and the radio. We couldn't take the chance that we'd lose our minds to the beep. So we sat in the house instead. There wasn't a lot to say after the first half hour, 
Have you ever sat with friends in total silence? I mean, no tunes, no background noise at all? Pretty soon it becomes hard to even swallow without it sounding like a gunshot. My parents never came back from their walk. Maybe they decided to go to the park and stay out for lunch. They did that kind of thing sometimes. But maybe not. Maybe something more sinister was happening. We had cheese sandwiches and Doritos for lunch. We cracked open some beers and lit a couple of ciggies around three. It must have been past five when we saw the first pink ball car. It drove down the road, honest to whatever deity you chose to worship, a bubble car with Go Beep written down the side in black, and the guy driving it had the scariest, emptiest smile I have ever seen in my life. He slowed down and waved at us when he saw us watching, and he was dead behind the eyes. And then he started to throw little pink bouncy balls out of the car window, and they bounced all around crazily all over the street, like an explosion in a soft play area or a cluster bomb. No word of a lie. It was deeply terrifying. I told everyone to get in the garage. No way, said Mandy. And then she said she'd had enough of fooling around, and she was going out to see what the pink balls were all about. I grabbed her around the waist and got her on the floor, and Gary sat on her for a while. And that was when she got really pissed, pushed him off, and kneed us both in the privates. Before we'd recovered, she'd left. My Mandy, lost to the beep song, walking around in the pink balls, thinking everything was a-okay and life was great, and I couldn't take the thought of it. I had to do something. I had to act. It was obvious. The only way to bring everybody back was through counterattack. I'd use the music. I plugged in my guitar, and Gary broke out his bongos, and we laid down a few versions of Black Smut, then uploaded it on iTunes. We put it on our website, and we tweeted and Facebooked about it. We even put a quick promo video on YouTube. Gary wanted to search to see if the beep song was on it and how many hits it had, but I told him it was too risky. After we'd done all that, we decided to go back to the house, but when we looked through the window, out along our street in the soft, fading light of the dusk, we realized just how bad it had become in just one day. Everyone was outside. I mean everyone who lives on our street, and some people I didn't recognize. They were standing around outside with little pink balls in their hands, and I swear to God they were all singing the beep song together. If your pants are blue, if your heart is true, if a train goes chew, for a tasty treat, if you want to eat, try the new Beep Sweet. So it finally made sense. Those pink balls contained sweets. It was a new form of viral advertising, an infection, and everybody wants to get it, to feel like everyone else. And so we're all buying the product and we'll all be eating these beep sweets forever. I wonder what they taste like, said Gary. 
So I slapped him around a little bit, and when he came to his senses, we went up to my bedroom and wired up the big speakers, and we played our song live, down on those people, so loud that they couldn't have even heard themselves singing anymore. We played them the gloriousness that is black smut. I even improvised a few relevant verses, which I thought were kind of better than what we'd had, but that's the creative process for you. They stopped singing. They looked up at my bedroom window, and I could see them coming back to reality, frowning and wondering what they were doing in the middle of the street. Don't wanna be like Jabba the Hutt, to raise your fists and scream black smut. Eat less sweets and work that butt. Raise your fists and scream black smut. 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 I even got the high note at the end right. By now, everybody had ditched the beep-sweet bubbles and were raising their fists up to my window, just like I'd hoped. It was the best feeling in the universe. The street was back to normal, shouting and moaning and telling me to turn the goddamn volume down. I even spotted my parents in the crowd, and my dad was pulling that face he makes whenever he's grounding me. Gary and I did a high five. The street was saved, and we were all over the web, too. So it was only a matter of hours before the entire universe was saved. And we had done it all by ourselves. We were officially awesome. But in the midst of our private celebration, before my dad stormed into the bedroom and ordered Gary home and told me I wasn't getting any chicken dinner that night, my thoughts turned to Mandy. Oh, Mandy, as Barry Manilow had once said, Mandy, you gave in to the beep song. Can I ever forgive you? Of course, the answer to that question was yes. But it turns out she hasn't been so eager to forgive me, given that I wrestled her to the ground and got my best friend to sit on her. So we're talking to each other and thinking about maybe getting some counseling. That was her idea, and we'll work through it She'll be mine again. Oh, yes, she will be mine. So this morning, I'm just sitting out on the porch before school, and the world is back to normal, and nobody even seems to remember the beep song. Maybe that's how it should be. We are meant to be miserable boys and girls. We are meant to be angry and lonely and screwed up and not popping happy little beep sweets. Remember that next time something really good happens to you. We are not living in Nirvana. We are living according to the lyrics of Nirvana. We like to sing along and we like to shoot our guns, but we don't know what it means. And that is as deep as I'm going to get on the subject. Oh yeah, I saved your asses, people. I black smutted your asses out of viral marketing hell. I am a rock god. And on that note, I tell you that it is time for double math, and I urge you to be strong. Peace.
Whiteley is a freaking genius, hey? It's a cliche, but she really does write the way people speak and think. When I first heard this story, I remember thinking that the main character could be 14-year-old me in the grunge scene in Seattle in the 90s, until they mentioned a girlfriend, but stranger things have happened. I work on the internet now, and more than any other single thing that amazes me about my work is how quickly concepts evolve. On social media platforms like Reddit, I'm talking about you, entire meme concepts grow and breed and die in a single day, and sometimes you don't even notice the nuances of those messages while you're laughing along. Maybe that's why some people find Despacito calming? I don't know. Still not sure about that one. The one thing you can always be sure of is the fact that messaging is everywhere, all the time. It's in your ears, in your eyes, telling you what to buy and see and think. Sometimes we notice it, sometimes we disagree, sometimes we do neither. Regardless, I hope you two are now finding it hard to shake the mental image of Norm playing Nirvana riffs off a tiny toy piano. We've all got that. Hit us up, at Drabblecast. On Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, we really do love to hear from you guys. Strange pictures, strange news stories, anything you've got to share, we'll take it. Until next time, you beautiful beasts, sing along, shoot your guns, and maybe, maybe stop to wonder what it all means.
Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.